What's what's the mood in Denver? It's bad, guys. <laughs> and, and so I'm 47, and when I've been living the Broncos life since I was a kid, and I, I've never seen the fan base this upset. Hmm. We have some weird years with Tebow and and some other kind of lulls, but the fan base is is kind of losing its mind now part of it is we we're injured so like half of our 22 starters aren't going to play today um and so there's some of that it's not an excuse but we have the worst injuries of anyone in the league by a mile um but the russell wilson thing it, we were so excited and i think last time we talked guys i was i was kind of putting out the rumors to you that it might be aaron Rodgers, which would have made sense with hackett coming here who's you know, came from Green Bay. That didn't work out. And then all of a sudden, Russell comes here, and we get pretty psyched. Um, Vegas was pretty psyched about it, too. They thought we were a playoff team. I think we all kind of bought in a little bit. And it, of course, hasn't worked out. It's the worst offense in 30 years. And every game we could have won, but maybe won. And, and we find ways to lose. And he's such a he is such a brand and he does all his stuff online and he's, he says all the right things, but it's also people are starting to think it's kind of BS a little bit and that um, there's a reason Seattle let him go. And reminder, Seattle's better than us right now. And we have no motivation to tank because they get our first round pick. So we, we could have the number three pick in the draft at the moment, but they get it. And so, from a hundred foot view, like that was a terrible trade. And then we of course extended him. Now, obviously that was going to happen before he came here. Right. Sure. That was probably in the books already. Uh, but you give him, let's say real years or three, even though we signed him for six or seven, um, 250 million. And this is what we're getting. And he's still Mr. Positive every day. We all kind of want to hear him say, like, God, this sucks. We're not doing well. <laughs> Instead, he's like, everything's fine, you know. And he and he keeps kind of spinning that narrative, and, and the folks here are getting tired of it. And it, it's going to be very interesting because the I don't know a lot of people who are rich as Walmart, uh, but when they buy the team and they, they did not hire the GM or the coach um, – you know, I it's it's going to be very very curious to see what they do. Uh, I don't think they'll do anything in the season, but in the off season, I wouldn't be shocked if it, there's a bit of an overhaul up up top. Kevin, but you're to your right. point, Ned. Too, we were talking about the receivers. Like, mm-hmm. they're all out. They never play. They're always hurt. Gordon's been cut. He's fumbled three times. Like, there's not a whole lot of weapons for us either. So you gotta be a little sympathetic to that for and him. Brandon Chubb is gone as well, and you won't have your top receiver in there today. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to disagree with you just a tiny little bit. Now, you're looking at it from the hometown standpoint, as are the fans out there. We, we can look at it from a distance. And I to tell you what, I, I, would, I would put a lot of stock in what Russell Wilson does. He's a tremendous athlete. He's proven himself over the years. Now, the reason I think Seattle let him go is because they really feel like he's uh, maybe a little bit longer of tooth than what they want to run. 
and uh, Denver, they're getting a big-name quarterback. He could do some things if he had any kind of offensive line in front of him. He doesn't have any. They're, they're all injured. And he's, he, Wilson, is a scrambling quarterback, and yet he's been in the pocket most of the time because he can't get out of it. So I think there are a number of factors that have to be weighed here. I do agree. I don't think they're going to do anything. Well, they certainly won't do anything as the season goes on. Well, they did let, let go of Chubb and uh, Melvin Gordon and people like this. But, but the fact of the matter remains that this, still, this team has a lot of capabilities about it. They do have the talent. Jerry Judy is still in there. Uh, Cortland Sutton won't play today. And these are all factors that have to be weighed in. It's just, a, I think, a bad karma circumstance that the Broncos are going through. They'll be back, and if they stay with things, and I think Wilson gets a little bit more acclimated to what they're trying to run, I think they'll be a better team in 2023. I really do. I, they've, got, they've got the talent base to get that done. So I, I appreciate that, and I, I don't know if you're being condescending here, Ned. Oh, no. But, uh, <laughs> Ned, Ned Reynolds is not condescending, believe me. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you, and, and the, it starts with the O-line, right? And there we've lost Cushenberry, Bowles, who was all pro. Albert O, he, he was supposed to be the next tight end that was a good blocker and a, and a threat, and he doesn't even play anymore. And so what we thought this team was going to look like, forget about Wilson, um, it has not looked like it. Now, mm-hmm. to your point about what, where Russell's at his best is when he's kind of scrambling. He loves going to his right, and his numbers are pretty good uh, when he does stuff like that. And we've kind of put him in shotgun, and we're not running very well, and we've changed from Hackett, the head coach calling offensive plays, to, to – this guy, Clint Kubiak, uh, Gary's son, we brought in someone to run the clock because we had so many clock problems early in the season. And so it was kind of embarrassing how much we're shifting. To, but we need to cater to Russell's strengths, and it's taken us a while to figure that out. And again, to your point, Ned, first-year coach, first-year quarterback, first-year OC, first-year DC, new ownership, like that's a lot of turnover uh, to think that it was all going to mesh really quickly, and, and Joe, you called it. I called what? What am I? What am I calling? You, you, right? call, you called him in Denver. That's yeah, it. that's what I called him. <laughs> well, I, I think we were saying we were talking you before. It that you didn't think it was going to be a home run right off the bat. No, right, I, I, right. I didn't think so. And, and one of the big reasons is I, 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 from the outside, the Broncos' offensive line didn't look that good to me. And I thought this is the same situation that Russell Wilson was in in Seattle was that he was constantly running for his life. The interesting thing to me about the whole Russell Wilson story in Denver and the Seattle saga with that is how quickly a fan base, two fan bases have turned on one guy. He has been nothing but praised up until the end of last season. Then he started to get a sniff of, well, Seattle's not too happy with him. And then he got traded. And then the floodgates opened with guys in Seattle and the fan base like they were holding back till he was gone to talk about how bad they felt that he was. And then in Denver, it wasn't, you know, three or four games in when it started to see a lot of bad stuff in the press about him there. It comes down, you know, yeah. winning covers a lot of things, I feel like. Seattle had an overall really good record while Russ was there and, you know, whether it's a facade, whether it's who he just truly is all the time, things like that, you know, 
you brush over them because there's really not much stress if you're a winning football team. But when you come to Denver and the stakes are as high as they are and the pressure is up and the expectations are up and then you stumble out the gate and then you stumble down the rest of the track and then now they're going to stumble across the finish line, it seems. It just, it you know, these things, someone's wants to point a finger and, you know, in the end, every little thing gets scrutinized that much more heavily when you're not winning games. Kevin, I want to pose a question to you and this is simply your observation and perception and, of course, your, your answer is subjective. But of the teams out there, you've got the Avalanche, you've got the Rockies, and you've got the Broncos, and the whole works out there. What one Denver Nuggets? Where do the Broncos what, – what's the ratio as far as the fans are concerned? Who, what team is ranking there at the very top of the list? So it's always the Broncos. Okay. And, Broncos. of course, the Avalanche have the Stanley Cup. Uh, I was able to see that in person recently, which was fun. Um, and hold it, but uh, it would go Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rockies. Rockies? And it's always going to be a Bronco town. And, and I, I'm a big Rockies fan, but their ownership's kind of a mess. And and uh, But it's a great place to watch a ball game, and they still fill the seats, and uh, they make their money, but, but the town's not too, too high on them. Nuggets, they have something going on, I think. Uh, and they're, they're going to make a run this year, I think, and the Avs or her, but uh, I would put it in that order. And you've got the Jokic kid, and he's uh, he's fine player. The whole that, that, that you're right, they yeah. are a very good team, as are the Avalanche. In fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the Avalanche and the Blues play either today or tonight somewhere mm-hmm. along the line. I think I think that's what that, it is. That's become a bit of a rivalry. It I mean, has. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's shift gears for just a little bit and let's talk about Deion Sanders coming to Colorado. And what's what's the buzz there around that? So the buzz is massive. Uh, I'm not convinced it's going to work. Boulder's an odd town. They have not really supported sports the way that Power Five conferences do. They've had to shift some rules as far as the transfer portal, portal and like the academic requirements that have been a little tighter than some other schools. And so I think that was part of his discussion with the schools. Like, hey, we got to lessen this a little bit if I want to get the players that I want. And immediately he brought two five-stars. People were flipping from Clemson to see you, from Bama to see you. He's bringing his son, who's a big-time quarterback. And so the place is kind of going bananas about it. I don't know if it's going to work, but – uh, there's definitely a buzz, and, and the kids are coming. And one of his messages, and this is on film if you want to see it, he goes into the, the room to introduce himself, and he basically says to, like, the entire team, hey, guys, a lot of you aren't going to be here next year. So go hit the portal because I'm bringing players. And if you're not in and if you're not good enough, you're not going to be here, which was kind of astounding to watch. Uh, his honesty, I, I think people appreciated. Uh, but there's a buzz. There's a definite buzz. The Pac-12 is kind of crumbling a little bit in my mind. But it's there for the taking when UCLA and USC are moving. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a big hit. They're going to be on TV. You know, there might be game day stuff. So they're going to get a lot of attention, with it, which they have not had in a while since the McCartney era. And, and it's, we'll see if it works out in two or three years. 
but it's going to be a fun ride, and I'm going to grab some popcorn. <laughs> Kevin, it, it is not a 100% guarantee that UCLA is going to move in. There's been some blockage to what they're doing because of the fact that it is part of the University of California system, and they never told the Board of Regents. That really rubbed a yeah. few egos the wrong way. I think December the 14th, or the whole board is going to get together and vote. I think they will allow it because it's big money. But over and above yeah, that, it's, big, it, that's, money. that's not a guarantee. Now, as far as Deion Sanders is concerned, this is his. he's coming off his very first ever head coaching, and it's D2. It's in the SWAC. The SWAC is an altogether different level of football from what the Pac-12 is. You're getting a much, well, you're upgrading by, oh, my gosh, a, a light years. It's even, even the Pac-12, which is undergoing some transition, this is still a huge level of talent. You're right, he is getting the athletes in there, but I'm, I'm just I'm skeptical. I'm not going to say they're going to – big change isn't going to happen. I think it probably will. But <laughs> you know who Colorado's first game is against next year? Have you looked at their schedule? Oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. They're playing Texas Christian in Fort Worth. And TCU is pretty doggone good. You better be ready when you're going down there. Uh, this will be a nice little challenge. And how Dion is able to urge his his coaching staff number one and his players on. I did like his message. You've got to hey, it's it's a tough sport, and you've got to be able to resonate with these kids and tell them, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna mollycoddle you. If you're gonna play, fine. If you're not gonna play, hit the road, Jack. And I, I like that part of it. But I'm just curious as to whether or not the philosophy that Deion Sanders has is going to be able to manif- manifest itself and do a winning formula at Colorado. I think that very much remains to be seen. Do you see this yeah, as possibly being a uh, a Russell Wilson part two? Because, <laughs> you know, Deion Sanders coaching at Jackson State, was uh, that was a feel-good story. Everybody liked the story. Everybody thought that it was really good. And then since he has taken this job with Colorado – the floodgates are starting to open up a little bit with some negative comments, negative things being said. Um, there were a lot of players at Jackson State that wanted to transfer with him, and he told them, hey, hang on a second. You better explore your options because I'm not sure you could play at this level. There was uh, a lot of bad comments and a lot of bad blood with him leaving to take the job in Colorado. Yeah. So all those are fair points. I, From what I see, so one, let's be honest, CU Boulder is a, is a very kind of progressive, very white town and that doesn't value football in the last decade plus that much. And it, he's coming in, and it's, it's a bit of a hurricane, and most of it's <laughs> in a good way. But to your point, Joe, like he's rolling in, and they, we were all told you can't even call him Deion Sanders. You have to call him Cohen. <laughs> and he would just went to the basketball game against my alma mater, Colorado State, and he's wearing a sweatshirt that says Prime, and he's indoors, and he has his shades on and his hood on, and it, it's it's fun, and everyone's going crazy about it. But, yes, there are some rumblings that it's not going to work. I think it's 50-50, but when you, he's not a coach in my mind. He's not a coach. He's a recruiter. He's a leader, all that stuff. But they're talking about Mike Zimmer, ex-NFL head coach, being his defensive coordinator. <laughs> wow. Right? So if you're bringing in guys like that and you're bringing in five stars, I mean, it, it can't be worse than it already is, right? So 
there's going to be an uptick for a bit. I just don't know if it can last. You just said exactly the right thing. That's precisely what he is doing, surrounding himself with, which a good coach always does, surrounds himself with the yeah. brain trust and let them do the work. And then you just you just meet the press and things like that and put on a show. That I think you just nailed that. That's very good, Kevin. Very good. So, Kevin, give us your take on the game today. What do you, What are we going to see from the Broncos? How do they plan on stopping the Chiefs? The Chiefs, this is a bad week for the Broncos to play the Chiefs because the Chiefs are not happy. They're, I, yeah. The, if they won last week, you might, have get a, you might have gotten a different team. But this week, you're getting a very unhappy Kansas City Chief team. So, Joe, before I hit that, my prediction, let me give you guys some stats. And this is how historically bad this offense is. <laughs> okay. okay. We have five and counting first and goals. That hasn't happened in 30 years. We have the, depending on the metric, we have the best defense in the league and the worst offense in the league. That has never happened since they've tracked it. We have 24 straight opening drives without a TD. We have 30 straight plus this season drives without a TD. We have tried to win a game twice with a 63-yard and 64-yard field goal. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, do you know what those percentages are? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, about, about the same as a Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're working with. And honest to God, we could have won six of these games, and we lost every single one of them. And next thing I know, we see our kicker out there trying from 64 on the road in Baltimore in a game we should have won. <laughs> and we just keep doing it. And, again, we're hurt. We're hurt. But it's, it's amazingly historic what we're doing on offense with an offensive coach who was supposed to be like a Sean McVay type play caller, and it just hasn't worked. Um, so what do I think happens today? We, even the last time we beat you guys, was with Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's 13 in a row. And so that's a long time ago. However, we always kind of play you close. And you pull away. I think the spread, Ned, uh, nine and a half, something like that. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I I think the Broncos will keep it close just because their defense is good. Our secondary is good. Sertain, my favorite player probably. Um, Kareem Jackson, who you guys know. He's, he's stepping up like we, we – even though we're hurt, we're, our defense kind of hangs in there every game, and we lose 16-13. Now, we're not going to hold you to 16. I think you guys probably get to 27, 24, something like that, and we get to 13 or 16. I think you guys win 24-13. There you go. Mark it down, Joe. 24-13. Okay. <laughs> I'll mark give me, that down. Give me your predictions. And, and, and Joe, I, if, I mean, if, if we have another segment, like, do right. you want to talk about McDaniels and your Raiders? Yeah, well, no, not really. And they're not, they're not mine anymore. I, we divorced several years back, and okay. uh, I, got, uh, I got the rights to a winning team, and they got the rights to a losing one. So, uh, yeah, we just, we just don't discuss that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we could hang on and have you on for another segment, because uh, I don't know if you watched the Bengals game last week, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. We'll talk a little more about what's going on in the world of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Kevin, hang out, and we'll be back in just a minute with more Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 35 minutes away from the start of the official Chiefs pregame show. Until then, you've got the unofficial Chiefs pregame show. That's us, Ned Talk. I'm order 4.7 The Cave. Joe Weston, Ned Reynolds, Alec, Kevin in Denver. we got a long-distance dedication going on here today as we talked to him a little bit about the Broncos. Kevin, have you had a chance to watch the Chiefs this year? Have you uh, seen any of their games? Yeah, so a little bit. Of course, that Monday night or where I think Kelsey had three TVs. Um, mm-hmm. Four. TVs. Was it four? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My goodness. I mean, and he always crushes the Broncos. I mean, he crushes everyone. Um, I've watched him a bit. I, I thought at first Mahomes wasn't looking himself early on, but that seems to have changed, man. I mean, he's probably the front runner for MVP, maybe with Hurts up there, but he's starting to look like his old self and, and – it's crazy to me without Tyreek, and when you see what he's doing in Miami with Waddle and, and Tua, like you just don't have Tyreek anymore, and you're still doing the same things. Like it's, it's amazing. Like Mahomes is such a unicorn. They did get maybe Miami did get one major victory out of that. Yeah, they got Tyreek Hill. That's not the major victory. They got a flex game taken away from Kansas City. <laughs> that's tonight's game. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's how bad it is in Broncos country. They <laughs> us out of games now. <laughs> well, what I mean, what's your thoughts on the outside looking in uh, from from Denver, looking at the Chiefs and seeing how they play football? So I, I just think they're. I, I mean, I don't know what you guys are doing at running back, right? Who's going to get all the carries today? Pacheco. Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco. Okay, so like the inconsistency at running back to me might be a problem at some point but when you look around the landscape and you look at all the records um not just afc but nfc like there's so many middling teams i i don't i thought buffalo might be the team in the afc for a while but they've been kind of hitting some speed bumps um i don't see anyone beating kansas city san fran to me is a little bit of a wild card (laughs) which is funny because the broncos beat them 11 to 10 uh, which has never happened in the history of the nfl um but KC just, I think their defense is looking a little bit better. You know, you got a good kicker. You got Mahomes. You got Kelsey. If they figure out the running game, um, I kind of like their aggression on defense. But I, I've, I've only seen a few games, but I, I don't see anyone coming out of the AFC other than them. And I'm guessing it's going to be against Buffalo. What do you guys think? You echo my thoughts exactly, Kevin. That's precisely the way I think. I really feel like Kansas City is the best team in the NFL, period. I'm, I'm a Philadelphia guy. I love the Eagles. Raised, born and raised watching the Eagles play. But I really don't feel like they're in the same category as Kansas City. The Chiefs can do so many things. And here's, here's a glaring example. You talked about how good Denver's defense is, and it is. That defensive backfield's very good. I think in the overall defensive rankings, if I'm not mistaken, I think Denver is number seven overall. You know who the number one team is? It's the San Francisco 49ers, and the Chiefs laid 44 on them. Well, now, if they can, they can score 44 points on the top defensive team, they can do whatever they yeah. feel like doing. They have laid waste yeah. to some of the top defensive teams in the league. It seems like almost every week they've come across a team that has some great 
statistical defensive stat, and the Chiefs have gone in and just piled over that. The The games that they've lost, they've lost by a total of 10 points this season. So you're looking at three points a game, basically, is what they're losing by and, and, this and season. And breaks, too. And like we've yeah. talked about on this show many times, guys, it's the NFL. These are professional athletes. Anything can happen. I don't think it will today, but by the same token, uh, you have you have circumstances in which a Denver team can rise up and take a San Francisco team to one point, a Baltimore Ravens team to one point. It's, hey, these guys are paid yeah. to do this, and they're paid to get out there and play their best, and they're all good players. This is the type of game that frustrates the Chiefs. Chances. Go ahead, Kevin. Only chance is turnovers, yeah. I mean, like you said, Joe, I mean, if you're putting 44 up on them, like our, our only chance is a couple of turnovers. I might throw Dallas in that mix. They're starting to seem like they're they're kind of gelling a little bit. But <laughs> for me, man, it, it, it's the Chiefs. And I, I've always liked Andy Reid. I thought he got a bad rap for a while. I, I think he's just a really good coach. And I think you guys are just thinking at the right time. I, I can't let, – let's put it this way. If, if, if Vegas – set a spread against the Chiefs versus any team in the league, they would be favored. Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. With that, yeah. With, against any team. That's but I, I think this is the type of game that, that could frustrate the Chiefs because we talked about this a little bit on the air last week, is that sometimes with teams, they lost to Indianapolis, okay? That was a horrible <laughs> That was a horrible loss. That is the big blemish on the record. I don't mind yeah, so much that, that they – I don't, I don't really mind so much that they lost to Buffalo or Cincinnati. Those are good teams. They could have won that game. Either of those games could have gone either way. The Indianapolis game really sticks out in my mind because they just they just laid a stinker in that one. And I and I honestly I could see it happening today too. Joe, that's why I've been telling you anything. They're professional athletes. They are. They're Thank paid you. to play. Make fun of me. Make fun <laughs> of me all you, all you want, but that is the circumstance, and it's the circumstance in any pro sport. You've got top level athletes who are capable of doing magical things at any time. So, but in terms of Den, uh, Denver winning today, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Because but they're paid to play. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a team <laughs> game, and you have so many Unless components. Unless the weather's bad, you guys fumble three times. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. If Melvin Gordon was in there for Denver today, hey, Kansas City might have, or <laughs> Denver might have a chance. <laughs> I think that. I think Actually, that, can, can you guys play him a lot? No, I don't <laughs> think he's on the active roster. <laughs> I don't think. No, he is not on the active roster. He's on the uh, taxi squad right now. But I, I, I think the Chiefs have figured out the running game. It's McKinnon and Pacheco. I mean, those two guys, they're smaller backs. They juke quite a bit. They get kind of get lost in the crowd. Pacheco's been particularly impressive because you think that he's down, then all of a sudden you see him pop out for another two or three yards. Well, that's the way he ran at Rutgers as well. He's, he's a tough kid. He's a hard, motivated kid. Doesn't get the ball all that often because it's mostly a passing offense. But when they run, and they will today, they'll run against Denver today. Uh, I think you'll see, I think you'll see Pacheco have a very big game, and if not, then McKinnon gets one. You guys could get uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on your roster next year because I think that he's done in Kansas City. I really do. Uh, a couple of games back, you know, he, that kind of bums me out. Like I thought he was going to be so good coming out of college, and just never worked out over there, eh? Well, he he did for a while, but then he's kind of diminished a little. He's had injuries as well. He has a high ankle sprain right now, but. That's come back to haunt him. And at LSU, he was a, he was a tough hombre, real tough hombre. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. All righty, gang, what do you think? 
what are we going to do? What are we going to pick here? What are we going to talk about? Uh, we're not going to we're not going to pick our games into the very end segment. Now, now Kevin is, and he's already said Wait, twenty. You're going to leave. You're going to leave me hanging here without your predictions. Well, we, we always can, pick we in the last segment. We always <laughs> so you, you can stream us online in Denver and listen to listen to our predictions for for the game today. But again, hey, Kevin, so how about just text text me your wager? Okay, we'll we wait, will. Yeah. We'll do that. Kevin, thank you very much for being with us. Tell Angie, Joe, Sharon, Lisa, Mike, Sam, Joey, and Danny that I love them. Dear and Lord, do you have that Merry, many kids? Merry Christmas. No, no, that's my whole family no, out Kevin. there. My oh, whole okay. family out there. Kevin's related by marriage to us, but we'll, we, <laughs> so I have to say that I love all of them, and I do. We'll be back in a minute with more Ned Talk. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 20 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show, Joe Weston. Ed Reynolds, Alex Scott, let's talk uh, a little bit of baseball. My favorite sport, baseball. Second favorite sport, hot stove league, baseball. <laughs> and that's where we're at right now, and the Cardinals with a big signing this well, week. They, and you knew they had to get a catcher. They admitted that's what they were looking for. The Murphy kid, Sean Murphy from Oakland, was a trade. If they were going to make the deal, it would have been a trade and not a free agent situation. And Oakland wanted some pretty good players. And the Cardinals were unwilling to depart with that talent, especially when you had a guy like Wilson Contreras available on free agency. So that's who they signed. I think he'll do a good job. He's not Yadi Molina, but he is a better stick than Yadi has been here the last couple of games, or the last couple of years, I should say. And the fact is that he'll do a good job. Contreras is a veteran catcher, been around now for oh, seven, eight, nine years with the Chicago Cubs, whatever it is, and has proven to be very good. Played a number of all-star games. He is capable, at least we think on paper, he's capable of doing some very good things with their pitching staff. Now, how well he handles them, that does remain to be seen because this is going to be a bit of a different pitching staff from what he's accustomed to with the Cubs. But nonetheless, Yachty was the leader. Yachty was very strong. And Contreras is going to have to come into camp and establish that kind of mentality with the, with the ball club to be a leader. And that's what they need. Catcher is a leader of any team. Excellent hitting catcher, too, by the way. So, He's I mean, better than Yachty. Yes. Adds another bat to that lineup and some maybe some protection, some much needed protection for Aaron Aldo and uh, Goldschmidt in that lineup. What do you think, Alec? I see, you know, I see Contreras potentially slide into that five spot in the lineup, get another bat. And, you know, I think the Cardinals are in a position right now where most of us would accept a trade off of, a, you know, the defensive position of the catcher a little less there in terms of a better bat because the offense just needs some more pop around the board and you know getting a guy like this he like said all street i think three-time all-star has won a world series he was with chicago when that happened it always feels good to flip a guy from the blue side of the fence to the red (laughs) side you know likes any talent we can steal from chicago feels pretty good but i think i think he's set up in a good spot i think he Wanted to be here. I think he credited in an interview they were playing the Cubs when Albert, I think it was a home run 695. And Contreras said he could imagine himself playing for the St. Louis Cardinals when he was in that environment in Bush Stadium. To you know, to be fair, me too. When I watched Albert hit 
all those home runs. Like I would also love to be a St. Louis Cardinal, but I'm not Wilson Contreras. But it was a good addition. I like not trading for it. Go out and add the guy, spend a little money, bolster this lineup, and keep those prospects intact. Aaron Judge, of course, the big signing. The Yankees return him to their lineup, $360 million. In case you're looking for a loan, he's the guy that's got the money. <laughs> he was offered $400 million by the San Diego Padres, turned that money down to stay with New York. I'm sure that part of that was what I've heard is that Hal Steinbrenner got on the phone with him and said something. And I would guess that something was two. One is we're going to put, we're going to fill in the holes to win a championship and we're going to go. We're going to be competitive every year, which the Yankees typically are. And the other thing is you're going to make that $40 million plus in advertising dollars in New York City. Well, he probably already knew that. He knew what the amenities were playing in New York. They're far better as opposed to any other city other than Los Angeles may be the equivalent of what you can do from an ancillary standpoint uh, in New York City. But it is New York. And the Yankees are the storied franchise of Major League Baseball. He's already established the American League record there of 62 home runs in a season. Everybody follows the Yankees. They get the prime on all of television. Yeah, come on. That's where they wanted to be. And $360 million over to 11 or 9. It's nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. That's 40 million bucks a year, guys. That's pretty good. He never asked to home run again for the rest of his life. I mean, he just he, he, he will, but he, he will, but he doesn't. He doesn't have to. So, what's left on the table? What do you see happening here with the rest of the free agents? I mean, Alec and I talked this week that this has one of been one of the more active free agent markets in the last few years, during December and November, when in the past it's always been kind of a stinker and it, you know, kind of hung around till spring training before guys got signed. But there's been a lot of movement from a statistical standpoint since we don't have the inner workings of how individuals behave with another team, I would take Carlos Correa any day. I would sign him. He guy's an outstanding shortstop, has a good stick, but he didn't stay with the Astros, and he's not staying now with the, the Tigers. Uh, there's, there's just some – it's a Blue Jays. Twins. I've got to get it right. Whatever it is, he's not staying with that team either. So there are probably some inner workings that we don't know about. But the fact is, I'd take him. He's, he's an outstanding defensive player. And that is what you're looking for on defense. In any level of baseball, you want that good defensive guy. That's where the Cardinals have come up lacking just a little bit. Although I do think Brendan Donovan may get a shot there. What do you think, Alec? Do you think the Cardinals are in on anybody else? You know, at this point, just... In our track record, I, I would be surprised if there was a second big splash. You, know, you make the point, Correa, Dansby Swanson's the other name I'm waiting to see the see the bill for because those are the two guys that I that are out there that you know are going to get those probably hundred million plus dollar deals. And after signing Contreras to an eighty eighty five whatever it was million dollar deal, I don't see the Cardinals making a move if they wanted to hang on to their prospects and not get Murphy. I think the plans bring in Contreras. I would like to see, and what I think they would like to see, is move Tommy Edmond over to shortstop, let Nolan Gorman and Donovan work it out at second base, and then, you know, you've got Tommy's won a gold glove. You know what the hot corners look like. Like, keep those guys intact, and we got a shot. I. That being said, you know, one extra bat, a little more power, never hurts. Typically, the teams that are winning are the ones that can hit with the big power numbers. So, wouldn't but- complain, but I don't think they do it. Their weakness right now up the middle and and their outfield. What's the outfield look like for the Cardinals? 
outfield right now, they really still love Dylan Carlson, who I think it's – I'm still waiting to see it. There's been flashes. He can play good defense, but the bat has been up and down. Jordan Walker, they want to have him get a real opportunity to try and earn his spot up there, the hot prospect, and potentially throw him out there. But then, you know, it's a bit of a hodgepodge of guys who have shown, you know, Tyler O'Neill's been great, but has won a gold glove, also been injured. Uh, Lars Newtbar came on really strong at the end of the year last year. Can he keep that up? We've had a history of some outfielders with your, your Steven Piscottis and, uh, he went out to Toronto. I'm forgetting his name. Guys who have come on, been good, and then fizzle. And this I want. Wanna... was a, a bit of a different story, though, because his was a family-oriented circumstance. Yeah. But uh, you're right about the right about the outfield. It, it's pretty much set, and uh, <laughs> you've got to get that t- uh, Tyler off. You got to get him off the weights because that's why he's, in my opinion, being injured. And as a result, his. His level of consistency is very fragmented. Uh, they may they may make another deal somewhere along the line. I wouldn't be surprised if it's for another pitcher. I think that's what really what they need is somebody. You've got Wainwright coming in, and you've got Flaherty, and you don't know how many games he's going to be. He's always injured. Uh, you need some stability at the pitching staff, and I'm not 100% sold that they have that. Jack Flaherty is a – when he's healthy, he's probably top three pitcher in baseball. But and it's just the health. He's shown that potential. But. Yeah, just the health of all that. Where do you see Carlos Correa going? Don't know. Do not know. I would think I would think St. Louis might be in on it, but they they have plenty of options that don't involve somebody coming in as a free agent there. So I doubt very much that that's the case. He may go to the Washington Nationals. They, they want to trade Turner back, and they're not going to get him. Obviously, he's in Philadelphia now. So it, it could be he could stay – he could return, I should say, to the National League. I, I don't know. Just don't know where he might end up. Let me ask you about that because you're a Phils fan at heart. What did you think of that contract for Trey Turner? That was great. Really? Uh-huh. Turner Turner's an outstanding player. He's also teamed with a, his cl- a close friend, Bryce Harper. They were together with the Washington Nationals. That makes a difference. But heck, he's with the Dodgers, and he's propelling them into championship level. He's, he's, that's a good addition. Okay. No, whether or not he's worth that money, kind of, that's another Yeah, well, story. I kind of raised an eyebrow at the money because I just thought that's a lot for for that particular guy. And Rendon's the big picture, the big pitcher, I should say, that's on the market. Where do you see him going? I mean, that's that's a good, good question. Who was it who just signed this outstanding flamethrower from Japan here just the other day uh, who was rated just a little, a little bit above Carlos Rendon? But will I don't know. Don't know where I kind of thought he was going to stay out west coast, but that's obviously not going to be the case. Although that's not a done deal, he could. Well, my Yankees are mentioned with both Correa and Rondon, so we'll see how all that breaks out. I love the hot stove; it's one of my favorite times of the year. Watching your team build as they get ready for the next season, unless you're a Kansas City Royals fan. <laughs> Sorry, you're not really building for anything. When we come back, we've got our picks on one four point seven, the Cave. You're listening to Net Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Net Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
Just five minutes away from the start of the pregame show, Mitch Holtis and the crew will get you set for what looks to be a 325 kickoff between the Denver Broncos and our own Kansas City Chiefs. That game is out in Denver. What's the name of that stadium now? It's what it's what I'm sorry. E M P O W E R. Just doesn't sound right. Powered by Walmart. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound right to me because it's always been Mile High Stadium. Well, it's it's M Power at and, Mile at High. Mile High. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's G E H A State at Arrowhead yeah, Stadium. Exactly. It's always going to be Arrowhead. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be Mile High. It's <laughs> funny is when you listen to the pregame show, you listen, and those guys will have to kind of stop themselves a little bit to say G E H A Stadium. Yeah, G E G H A. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I think I heard somebody complain about it on the air the other day, which was I thought was was kind of funny. So it's time for us to do our picks, and we always start this out by playing this. Ned's Ironclad Rock Solid Pick of the Week. All right, your Rock Solid Pick of the Week, Chiefs well, only one and Broncos. Of us who got that right last week, and that's the gentleman to my right over right. here, Alex. Oh, I was going to tell you, too, you, you complained last week that I we always give you a hard time when you're wrong. I asked you last week, will Aaron Judge sign with the Yankees? And you told me yes, and I was very nervous about that prediction. But you you were 100% right. So here well, I'm giving you props. I didn't want to be right every every time <laughs> out. So I purposely picked the Chiefs to win. You're, we don't say which pick is your ironclad right pick. It's 99% of, of the time. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. Vegas is asking uh, Alec, not to be Alec right all the time. Alec is right now. It's only one that's the ironclad pick. <laughs> we're not going to tell you which one. But yeah. there's one in there. In this case, uh, a lot of folks say, oh, this is a trap game. No, it's not a trap game. Not at all. Denver is just not in the ballpark with Kansas City. I do think the Chiefs come out, probably establish control right away, maybe go up by a couple of touchdowns, and then run the ball. The Denver defensive backfield is pretty good. They could create some problems, but over and above all that, offensive line of the Broncos is, is a mismatch. The offensive, the, well, the wide receivers, they're, they're all injured. It, it just is not a competitive football team. I'm, but I do think it may be close. Nine and a half is a lot of points to give up in the NFL. I'm going to agree with Kevin. I think the final score is going to be something in the neighborhood of Kansas City. Let's say Kansas City 27 and the Denver Broncos, we'll call it 18, 27 to 18. I think okay, they that's, the spread. Uh, that's a lot of points for the Broncos to throw up. A whole lot of points yeah. for yeah. them, yes. Yeah, so what about you, Alec? Yeah, that's that's. I think that's more than the average right now. You know, this is a game that I – I, my brain can't imagine Kansas City losing it, but every week I've seen Denver keep it pretty much every game close. So I don't see any reason to think that won't happen again, but they just can't score. So I'm going to go Kansas City 23, Denver 6. You know, that's exactly the score I was going to pick. That's no lie. 23 to 6 was what I have in mind because I see Denver as being a field goal football team. I don't see them putting the ball in the end zone against the Chiefs. I do think that the first half will be a little bit of a struggle. We talked about this last week, maybe not necessarily playing down, but playing an opponent who's less predictable because you don't have as much film and you and these guys, while professional athletes, are not to the level of some of the athletes that they see facing these better teams. So there's less predictability in it. So I, I see a first half struggle. Let's let's assess what he the number he came up with because you already said you don't think the Broncos get in the end zone. So you're saying two field goals. Yeah. All right. The only <laughs> since you don't want to have the equivalent score that Alec had, 
still making another field goal, which would be 23 to 9, or a field goal and a safety, which would be 23 to 5. Take your choice. You've got it. Uh, I don't see them getting it. I don't see them getting a safety against the Chiefs. I really don't. So I, I'm going to go 23-9. Maybe they get three. Maybe they get three or four goals. And I think there's a possibility that they're in the lead before they uh, before this game. You know, for the first half takes off. Well, that's going to do it for us. The pregame show starts in just a few seconds. I want to say thanks to Ned, Kevin, Alec, Nick Fury, who's coming on next to take you through the game. Want to say thanks to our engineer Corbin Campbell, Brian Tyndall, and the intern Mike, the intern. We'll see you guys next Sunday, 10 a.m. for Ned Talk. Have fun. <laughs>